Hi, I'm Our Irene. speaker for tonight is Irene. <laughs> Hi, I'm Irene. I'm a reader. Hi, Irene. Hi. Um, I came to OA 45 years ago, August 72. I was 32 years old. I had been overweight from the age of five. I had um, two years, be- I had never seen myself at a normal weight. Two years before I came into OA, I had uh, a major surgery. And I became very depressed because before the surgery was planned, the doctor said it could be cancer. And, um, and I had to wait like three months for different tests that I was going through in order to, for the doctor to decide if it was necessary for me to have it. And they wouldn't know until they did the surgery. So I was going to Weight Watchers at the time. And um, it was the only time I ever went to Weight Watchers that I had lost weight. And it wasn't because of the food plan I was on. It was because when I'm severely depressed, I lose my appetite. Obviously, I haven't been severely depressed very often, (laughs) you could say. But um, this time, um, so I also went through a period of, before that, of, of desperately trying to get on a diet and Um, I decided that there were big trees in the forest and little trees, and I was a big tree, and that's it. Just accept that you're a big tree, and that's the way you're going to be. And in a month, I gained 25 pounds, and I didn't want to be a bigger tree. So um, I started to become afraid, and then I wound up with this problem that um, this potential surgery that I was going to have, and... I was going to Weight Watchers at the time, and I wound up losing 50 pounds, but it was because I couldn't eat. And um, I would still go to the meetings and everything. And um, so I got down to, I think I, w- I went from 230 to 150. 180, sorry, 150. 150 wasn't in my repertoire at the time. And um, so I got down to 180, and okay, so I had the surgery, it wasn't cancer. While I was in the recovery room, the doctor came in and told me the good news. And the first thing, this is as I'm coming out of anesthesia, the first thing I thought to myself, oh, now what I'm going to do, I'm not going to be on a diet for two weeks. I'm going to give myself a break because I've been under such stress that I'm going to give myself a break for two weeks and just eat whatever I wanted and not worry about anything. This is when some people eat over things. I don't eat over things. It's when everything's settled. That's my problem. I like to eat when I'm relaxed. I don't want to eat when I have like a knot in my stomach. I want to eat when I'm relaxed. So I'm relaxed a lot. And, And this... I, you know, so, okay, so the plan was made in the recovery room. Uh, two years later, I could not. I was supposed to start my diet after two weeks. From that period, 
till two years later, every single day, I tried to fulfill my plan, and every single day, I failed. Every single day. Some days I'd get through three meals, and then at night, while I was watching TV, late at night, everybody was sleeping, it was like, you know, I was wild, you know. And I, of course I wasn't buying ice cream, I wasn't buying, you know, my husband would take my daughter out, and at the time she was a little over seven, seven, almost. Yeah, she was like seven and a half. And they would go out, and of course I wouldn't because I was on a diet. And um, so I, you know, there were no cookies. There were no, there was nothing in the house like that because I couldn't trust myself. But there were crackers. There was bread. There was leftover, rarely, but leftover rice. Usually I finished the pot, um, whatever was left in the pot before I started washing it. Um, you know, anything else. And at 11 o'clock at night, I would get the peanut butter out of the cupboard because peanut butter is not a meal. It's just something you, you eat while you're looking in the refrigerator for something to eat. This is not eating. And I never liked it as a meal. So, um, and so what I used to do, I used to put pasta up, but I can't wait for pasta to cook. So. Then I'd take the peanut butter out with the spoon and eat it while the pasta was cooking, and then I would have the pasta. So um, so I gained, I don't know how much weight I gained, but I, was, I don't weigh myself when I'm gaining weight. I just, you know, it's terrifying, you know, to face it. So, um, and I, I had been getting worse and worse, and it was affecting my family life. My husband had had it. He loved me very much, and he told me, you know, right before we were married, because I had started gaining weight, he said to me, you know, I know you're concerned about your gaining weight, but I want you to know that I'll love you no matter what. I mean, this was like the prince. This was like my dream, to have somebody tell me that they would love me no matter what what happens? And I had no idea what I was in for. Well, he had be, and so it, it, the way it happened, the dynamics in my house, it's really something how compulsive overeating affects the family. The dynamics in my house were, and any time we would have a fight, and in most marriages people do have, you know, some wingdings. Um, going to be married 55 years and a month and a half, so still there. But we, we would have some wingdings, and it would all, all my husband would have to say, and he did at times, and he's the greatest guy, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I feel there are other people that have gone through this too. It's not unusual. He would say, you know, if you looked like this, I wouldn't have married you. And he was right. I looked terrible. I was so different, even though I had never been a normal weight my whole life, I weighed about, when we met, I, I was at my lowest, and I was 142 pounds. And when he told me this, I, well, at the time I was 232 pounds, I think. And, um, you know, it, every, everything, every fight, every everything, always went towards this thing about my weight. 
So it's similar to alcoholism in that it affects the family. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do anything. Um, I was I was totally withdrawn. Although I love to be around people, but my um, I was too vain to because I knew like last week or if I saw people two weeks ago I was fatter. I was gaining weight at such a clip that. I wished I was the weight I was three days ago, with the tight clothes on. You know, I couldn't believe that I, I, was, I was expanding. And I could see it in my face. And, you know, people would say, oh, you have such a pretty face. You know, the usual thing that women especially get. And um, the one thing that I felt I had that was still good was my eyes. And all of a sudden, the fat in my face started choking my eyes, and I felt like there's nothing. I, I, I just don't look like... I wanted to look good. I just wanted to look good. I mean, that was part of the pain. Part of the pain was I liked nice clothes, I liked dressing, and I couldn't. I couldn't cr- do... It, it eliminated the creativity that I had. It just... And in and dressing myself and wearing the styles that I would like. It was just another element of pain, which is good, actually, because I was no longer happy to eat, but I had to eat. I, I never was hungry. I envied my husband, who's not a compulsive overeater, because he used to come home hungry. And I, of course, had just eaten and then ate dinner, too, but I, I had no, I, I didn't know, I had lost the privilege of being hungry. That was painful to me too. Um, and, and when I took the first bite, it was no longer a pleasure. It was like, what are you doing? I couldn't, normally before, I'd be able to shake that and say, oh, forget it, you'll worry about that later. And then I could eat comfortably. That was eliminated. My husband loved me, and I knew he did, but he was at his wit's end. He didn't know what to do with me. Um, And not only that, when we would have a fight and then we would make up, he would want to go to the store and get me something because I was in my bathrobe, and of course I didn't want to get dressed to go out, and he would do it. So it was like a negative puzzle that was happening in my family life. Um... But anyway, I had, my back had gone out. I had gone these two years without being able to diet. I was getting bigger and bigger and looking worse and worse. And um, my back had gone out and at the time I belonged to Kaiser and the ortho, and I went to an orthopedist. You were able to go to an orthopedist at will in those days. And the orthopedist took an x-ray. She was little. She was like four foot eleven, and she probably weighed eighty-five pounds. I'm not exaggerating. This woman was tiny, and she took. They took an X-ray, and I wanted them so badly to say we have to put you in traction, because then I was going to say why are my jaws shut at the same time? I really had this plan, and she said, and she looked at me, and she said, uh, "You have a, a severe arthritis in your something lumbar." And she, and she said, if you, and I was 32, 
And she said, if you don't do something about your weight, you're going to be in a wheelchair at 50. And, and she dismissed me, which was fantastic. But at the time, I hated her, <laughs> and I cried. And not, too, not in front of her, because that was too humiliating for me. So I left, and I went to my sister's house. And Aunt of mine was visiting, who had been in OA for a year, and she had lost 75 pounds, which is quite a bit. And she had said, she told me about OA, and she had said, um, let's go to a meeting. And I was like very skeptical because I had been to Weight Watches and, you know, meetings didn't do anything. And, you know, but I went because there was no place else to go. What was I going to do? So we went to this church, and um, I was, I sat down and I was skeptical because I'm Jewish and I didn't feel comfortable at the time being in a church. I don't know why it sounds stupid, but at that time I was, I was, I'm actually an atheist by nature, so I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, so um, I sat down and I started listening to the reading. And I, and they read how it works, like you just read tonight. And it really bowled me over. Uh, One of the first things, but it isn't in how it works. I don't think it is anyway. Uh, I heard that I had a disease. And as soon as I heard that, it relieved the guilt that I had my whole life that I ate this way. Because there was something wrong with me. I didn't really know there was something wrong with me, although at one point I thought I must be addicted because that's what would happen to me. It didn't matter what the consequences were of eating, I had to have it. And um, so the disease thing really hit me. Um, They talked about honesty and how it works, you know, that. And I thought, for the first time in my life, I said to myself, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. You have, they also talked about addiction, and they talked about carbohydrate addiction, which they don't talk about very much anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, because a lot of people are, a lot of, that's the basis of my program, is carbohydrate addiction. And there's been um, a dilution of the pro of the food plan uh, since I've come in 45 years ago. Um, that there's a lot of people living, coming to OA, thinking that they can do their own food plan because that's what it says. Oh yeah, everybody has their own food plan here. Okay, I have how many? Ten more minutes. It was 15. You have 10 more. I'll give you five or five. Okay, five. Yeah, thank you. And um, and they're and they're they're not understanding that they're addicted. Most of us are addicted, especially the, the, our types, century people. You know, we get that big, we can't control ourselves. We're addicted. You know, the fact that we can't control. You know, it's not. I was telling a, a member before that I never really binged on corn but it's a carbohydrate that is, once in my system, my mind does not say, oh, you just had corn, but you never binged on that, so that's okay. No, 
It gets into my bloodstream. There's a mechanism in my brain that cannot handle this substance because it, it is going to force me. It'll make me compelled to eat foods that I can't stop eating. They're fuel. And it's corn, which I never binged on. It's peas. It's pasta. It's bread. It's all, we know the cookies and the cakes, and that's a given. But it's bigger than that. For me, it's potatoes also. It's, um, basically, that's, I can't, there's certain fruits, like watermelon, cherries, grapes, pears, mangoes. Um, but most other fruits I could eat. I mean, there's such a variety of stuff that I'm able to eat and I enjoy it, which I didn't enjoy this stuff before because my taste buds were clouded with high-carbohydrate stuff. They taste great, but and they took away my desire for vegetables. I ate very little fruit. I just ate crap. So... Um, when I found, okay, so when how it worked, so I knew that I had heard about the addiction at that meeting. They talked about um, if you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Well, the first step is getting through the first day without the carbs. And I didn't know I could do it. I didn't really think I could do it. But I was promised at that meeting, here I was, driven to eat, compelled to eat when I didn't want to. I wanted out. I wanted the friggin' thing to end. Give me my life back. And they, there was a woman at the meeting that assured me, guaranteed, actually, she used that word, that I would lose the desire for those foods as long as I don't take a crumb. And she said it could take two weeks, it could take three weeks, but you're not going to want them anymore. It happened. If I can give any inspiration to anybody, if that's what they want, it's possible. If, uh, if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. Now, this is the start of my abstinence. <clears throat> I did weigh myself every day. I still do. I lost 100 pounds. It took me five and a half years. And the reason for that is, which was fine, actually, because I'm, you know, I've been this size for 40 years. Um, I've been abstinent longer than my life. Longer than half my life. I'm 77, and I've been absent for 45 years. It's amazing. But I do know that all I have to do is take a bite of those, those things. I know it's possible. That's the thing. I feel like I'm, I have two sentries on my shoulders that are protecting me because I don't want my life to change. I don't, I don't want it, I, I don't like, the way I was living before was lonely and scared, terrified, because I don't just get to 230 or 228 pounds and stop. I was headed to 250, and I knew it was going to be within a couple of weeks, because I could gain five pounds in a meal. I mean, five pounds is like, of course you can gain five pounds in a meal, you know, maybe even seven. 
You know, I, I, it's possible for me. That's the way I eat. I don't know I'm full until it's all gone. And even then, I start looking for more. I don't know from full. That is not available to me. There is something wrong with me. That's why I have to measure my food. I, did, I went on and off measuring for many years until it was so hard to get back onto measuring that I thought, I can't go off again. I don't know if I'll ever get back. Is that it? Five more. Okay, so when, when I was, um, when I was at my first meeting, I had said to the woman there, I said, you know, I have this thing that happens in my mind all of a sudden, like I'm doing well and all that, and then all of a sudden I have this feeling of, I'm, I'm, I don't want to eat, but there's like this, this genie looking thing that comes into my mind and says you're going to eat and I'm patient and I'm going to wait because you're going to eat and I always called it the devil and the angel because that was the devil and that was me pleading no, no and it was so weak that voice was so weak and I just felt like oh no, here it comes and I always gave in and so I told this woman I always gave in, how do I overcome this? And she said to me, ask God to take it, because you can't handle it. And I'm a, I was an atheist, and I thought, I was desperate, and I really would have liked to argue with her why that's baloney, or bullshit to tell you the truth, but for the first time in my life I didn't. I didn't debate it. I just used it. That prayer has stayed, that, that's my fastest prayer. God, take it, I can't handle it. I have this shelf in the sky somewhere that has a million things up there that I've thrown over the years. Oh, I can't, ta I can't handle this, take it. One time I was looking at, I was cleaning my daughter when she was very young, she's now 53. I was cleaning my daughter's room and I decided to open her drawer and there was a bunch of pictures there that she never showed me. I knew I shouldn't look at them. And I looked at them, thinking, and there were things in there that I really didn't want to know. And, and I thought, oh God, how am I going to shake this? I can't tell her. How am I going to shake this out of my mind? I'm going to go nuts. And then I heard God say, give it to me. You should, you, you should have given it to me in the first place. <laughs> and he was going, gimme, gimme, gimme. And I said, it's yours. And so they're up there on the shelf. And that took care of it. I mean, it's like little things that trip me up during the day. God, take it. I, and the fact is, I can't handle it. That's the problem. And, and it has, it's just something that has been with me. So that thing about the devil and the angel that helped me to start to stay away from carbs was so... Um, the strength of that was amazing. I had never done anything like that in my life. And now, even though by nature I'm an atheist still, I use God. You know, I just use it. It works. And it has helped me through tragedy, through, you know, God's will is something that I think about 
all throughout the day. Um, I, I can't believe that I'm even telling this to people, that I actually ask God for help. You know, I've said this before, to do my bed, to pick up lint on the floor in my house, and in other places too I do that. Um, you know, before if there was lint on the floor, I would just pretend I didn't see it or pass it up or Fred will pick it up. Um, but um, I bend down and pick it up. Um, and I, I ask God to help me because I don't feel like picking it up. I don't feel like doing anything but eating. I, my three meals a day, I could assure you, I look forward to. I, most of the things in life, I don't feel like doing. There's very, I, I'm a potter. I love that. But there are days I don't even feel like going there. So, um, you know, the program, you know, how can I say it's changed my life dramatically, but um, it's given me discipline that you never connected the name Irene with discipline ever, even in the same paragraph, <laughs> because I was very undisciplined. I was unreliable. People would ask me to do favors for them, and I would say no. I never did a favor for anybody. And, and I would say, be, you know, I'm not going to ask you to do anything for me either. That's the way I lived. I don't know how I had friends. I mean, it, it's crazy, but um, because the program and doing service for others, and it's opened me up much more. I'm not great at it. I'd, ra I'd rather say no because that's my thing. No is my catchphrase. So that's it, right? Linda? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Gail, for asking.